what do you think uh, makes you know the people who are outside of Saudi Saudi Arabia or the Middle East think or doesn't know about what is actually happening on the ground? They're not following the social media. What? Um, I think it, it, it's it's two things. One one of the things is like um, the the it's very much um, how can I say it's very much censored. You know what's happening. Um, you are I, I don't we don't really have free press in Saudi Arabia. Um and you know Or in the so, Middle East or, or in any Arab country. Or in the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh so we don't really have free press in Saudi Arabia. And um and therefore um okay, so there is a lack of media coverage to what's happening and as well um there is the you know there is the fact that if someone is not very much interested then they wouldn't know so there's two different levels of like um uh there is one that it's not easy to know anyway unless you're inside and on the ground it's not like out in the open for example you can google anything about what's happening in canada or the u.s and you can find it um obviously there is still <laughs> issues with the press in in these countries as well but still like there's more um space for Freedom. free press um uh but there isn't that that thing in saudi arabia there's obviously uh, language and cultural barriers and lastly as i said if you don't care then you don't care right like you can't as i said that to a lot of people you can't expect like everyone to to be aware um or um or really care about what's happening although it really you you'd want people to because like you 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 think oh you have democracy you've got the freedom and you know there's that human expectancy of uh, like you expect them as humans to care about what's happening and be like you know have empathy when well, not everyone does and yeah and um, I mean, media as well that's as well and, 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 and in our countries i mean you would see women as you and they doesn't just give any care about what is happening for other women and they are, are and you're, you know they have the same struggles but they just, they just don't care yeah exactly and there is obviously the media here as well like i for example um you know um the media would happily uh here would speak about oh uh this has been happening in saudi arabia that's so awful right but they would not for example recognize how the government here is contributing to what's happening in saudi arabia right they wouldn't speak about um you know how all their arms deals and all of their like um all of oh um it's so awful so um so, so for example for example if i am a tourist company right that is based here in the west and i want um i i want to promote tourism in Saudi Arabia and I've got stakes in it I've got like relations with them as they say money talk I, I wouldn't really care much about like 
telling tourists who are going from here or interested the truth. If they ask me, how is the situation in Saudi Arabia? It's amazing. Now you can drive. Now you can wear whatever you like. Yeah, you they know? would whitewash it themselves as well. Exactly. And then they would go and they would have this. And then they come back and be like, oh, yes, I could wear whatever I like. Because uh, there is another thing about tourists that um, tourist faces are very much um, isolated from what it means to be a local. Uh, there is not much interaction with locals. So, and as I said, locals are not going to really speak about politics because we're so scared of it. So there's not going to be all of this. And obviously, the Saudi government have done a lot of jobs, a lot of work um, around beautifying the image. So they have hired people uh, from the West, from all around the world to come to Saudi Arabia and promote uh, tourism in Saudi Arabia and the new Saudi Arabia, if you may. Um, and even within Saudi Arabia, they have, they have recruited people inside um, to promote this new um, sort of image. So yeah, I suppose media, media is a big reason. Yeah, and that always makes me wonder, wouldn't it be easier if everyone speaks up? It would, um, but it's just, yeah, it would, it would be easier, but I don't know, like, I'm very pragmatic. pragmatic, I mean, it's, it's very risky for everyone. It's risky anyways. So wouldn't it make it less risky for all of us if all of us take part in it? This part always makes me kind of just lose my mind. You know, I mean, I, I, you'd hear that and, and I understand um uh but the thing is um utilizing big movements like this um since since the dawn of history takes time takes a lot of effort uh takes um how can i say it takes um how can i say it it takes um there there will be a lot of losses on the way um and a lot of times it depends like if you're trying to like make a a whole um movement that will be utilizing for example all women in saudi arabia in general you would have to have a lot of foundation work to do in raising awareness and you know uh, understanding what our demands are, what our rights are, this is what we want, and it takes a lot of strategy and a lot of, um, you know, planning, um, and um, yeah, to utilize a, a whole um, public movement um, or a nationwide movement or even a region-wide movement. Why not? Like all women in the Middle East. Um, but it will take a lot of work, a lot of, um, as I said, strategy, a lot of like um, uh, groundwork first. Like, as you said, for a movement like this, a lot of you need you'd need more people to believe in the cause than and and be ready um, to how can I say it? to take the risk. Um, than not but the thing is the hard thing is um historically as well people don't do these big movements unless uh 
unless things go really bad you know it takes a really long while before um before you can rally enough people because yeah. uh, and it's a human nature it's human nature for example if i have a house if i have um enough food if i have um you know it's just a little bit inconvenience of like having to beg my dad uh, but on the other hand, I have to, um, I would have to risk my life and risk being tortured and imprisoned by, by the state. You know, um, it's, it's only natural that a lot of people would be like, um, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather just stay here and take this little inconvenience. Do you know what I mean? It would, it would mean, but that's the truth as well. It's like, we don't hear about everything that's happening. Like, I, I, I assure you, I used to think that, ah, honor killing is a, is a Levant, is a sham issue. We don't have honor killings in Saudi Arabia. Although I heard people say you'd be killed if you did anything, um, quote, shameful, unquote. <laughs> but um, it was so surreal because you grow up and not wanting to believe that your society is so flawed um so you can and also you're so sheltered you were so sheltered from knowing what's happening there's you know i actually i am sure that the numbers of women being killed abused uh, and whatnot are much higher than we know than what we hear of uh, because there's as i said there is no civil institutions it's not like we have like um you know um, an organization for women's rights, a human rights organization. There is none of these, like civil, um, uh, as I said, civil rights institutions. We don't have them. And we don't have the statistics. We don't have um, all the information we need. And so we're not going to like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even those that exist works for the government. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there, hmm. there's a human rights organization in Saudi Arabia, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't also, saying the word for anything. Yeah, and also the other dilemma that you mentioned is that the society won't believe when you come out and say that this exists in our society, and that's a whole another thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's much deeper. It's like it's philosophical. It's mental. It's um, it would require a lot of work and a lot of change like and yeah i suppose we are in 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 um in an era where everything happens quickly you, whatever you need you get quickly you ever you you get quickly you get quickly and we're not really used to like drill down one specific thing for long um, I don't know if you've noticed, but that actually does affect um, affect you. And I was speaking to, to like my flatmate about this subject. It's just like um, um, like this lovely lady I live with, I'm no longer able to read fiction, and I can't read a full on page because um, I'm so used to just watch it much quicker way, right? So. Uh, Put in an effort to read and that's what's happened like that's what's gonna happen like just generally like it, it has a lot of it has a lot of challenges to deal with and as i said there has to be enough awareness 
enough groundwork and enough persistence for things to change. Globalization does not help either. Um, so um, globalization had good, um, good aspects about it. It's good to learn more about other places. It's good to be connected to other places, but it also means other places have stakes in our country. And we have this sort of like, oh, um, you know, how can I say it? We have a provision to, to, um, huh, like I'm looking for the word. Um, we, we would need to fight much more powers than we would have needed back in the days, right? So I'm no longer trying to fight, um, like within my society and improve the the image in my society no 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 no. i have to fight the whole um you know the whole global system because patriarchy is global but it's the influx of information that is coming from everywhere like now you don't only have your own patriarchy that you have to deal with you have the patriarchy of the whole world that you can improve and as much as we're exp exporting good information, we're also exporting bad information, right? We're exporting, like, as women now, we have, we not only have to deal with, oh, um, I should be able to express myself the way I want. But no, I have to deal with, oh, I have to have fairer skin. I have to look uh, more Eurocentric. Uh, I have to uh, do this and that. I have to meet my image on, on social media. But also I have to deal with this. You know, the, um, for example, like the, the most like th thing that you would hear is like, oh, housewives, why would you want to be a housewife? Why would you want to be a mother? Why would you? But that's so unfeminist. That is so unfeminist. You know, um, culturally, we did not have this back in the days. We had, we had a lot of respect for women who choose to, you know, to be mothers or choose to, obviously, I can't say choose a lot, <laughs> but, you know, if they do, choose to, for example, be housewives, right? But yeah. now we have this new ideology of a woman has to be in the workforce. She has to wear suits and she has to go out. And you you lose your um, cultural kind of touch of, the, yeah, of, like... of even your feminist issues. You're fighting a stereotype by making another stereotype. Exactly, exactly. You and you, you try. You start being stripped of of your own like identity, um, and and this is there is a lot like the most like um, how can I say the most closest example I can give right is we we watch like we'd watch a lot of American TV shows right. All good. Yeah. To, to us, to American TV shows, a woman is free. She is, look at her, she's working. She's dressed the way she likes. She's going out the way, uh, wherever she wants. But what we're not like really, for example, understanding or hearing when we, when we like lose touch of reality, we, there's a lot of like undertones of, of like, for example, slut shaming or, um, giving excuses to harass a woman or um, certain behaviors that are portrayed as romantic but they're actually obsessive and crossing uh, the boundaries of a woman. You know, you see um, 
you like you think from a Middle Eastern perspective, oh look at her, she's happy like wearing a mini skirt out out in the street. But at the same time, in the same TV show, you hear men like cat calling this woman for wearing a mini skirt, and somehow the director would allow some hypersexualization of the fact that she's just wearing a mini skirt, right? She's being hypersexualized. You're sitting here looking at her, thinking, oh, this is the free woman I want. But the message also that is being portrayed to you, uh, that like they're zooming on certain parts of her body, hypersexualizing her, and that calling is okay if it's in English, right? But it's the same. It yeah, is the they, same. They we reflect have... the image that they want. Exactly, but you know, do you know what I mean? Having to fight all of this. Yes. Like, it's not good. It's not, I don't think it's good enough for me, like as a woman in Arabia, to think, okay, uh, I need to fight uh, for women's rights, but then adopt um, a form or a whole um, different sort of like strategy that was used in a different country and not take the time to learn more about my own ways and about my own culture. It does not help. Right. So it doesn't help now in Arabia for me to go out and go. Every woman that does not take the chance to work is trying to delay uh, the advancement of women. No, because I'm, I'm watching, for example, this TV show that came out after and, and the feminist movement, for example, in whatever country I'm looking at, have started 100 years ago. Right. And the government had different strategies for pushing women to go to work because they had to deal with World War One, World War Two, and stuff like that. Women, like as well, um, like did not just like said that oh, feminism equals women working, right? Do you understand me? Like when I hear when yeah, I've, yeah, I've studied the suffragette movement in the UK, I've studied the suffragette movement in the UK, and the women did a lot of work, right? Um, Although they had a lot of problems, they excluded women who were not um, owning properties. They excluded women who were not yeah, white. Yeah, I they read about that. It was mainly for the elite people and that was a It was for the elite women, right? But the thing is, they had this time, like they, they fought for a long while. And then Britain went into world war. Um, so they lost a lot of men in war and they needed women to, to build bridges. They needed women to like go out in the workforce, right? Where they were not allowed as much before. And that's how women became in the workforce. It is not because like somehow, you know, um, uh, we care about your rights like, and what you want is because we need you basically. It wasn't exactly. It was not. But also it's wrong for me to come now to like every woman in Arabia and be like, look, this is how they got their right. You should go out and work now, whether you want it or not. And this is the same woman that like, you know, um, that lived all of her life being indoctrinated and being told that the only job for a woman is to stay at home and like, you know, serve the males of the, of the house, right? you are put like placing the blame on the victim because you think watching one movie online like um on, or one like model of women's empowerment online should mean that every woman should do that and you think that's it that's it and and this is what i mean 
but you have to deal with a lot of things coming from abroad. No, you need to work like the groundwork. Being a feminist does not mean all women have to, like, for example, go out in the workforce, but it just means all women should be allowed. All women should know they're, they, they can choose whatever they want to do and all women should feel safe to do so, right? Yeah. Is, go, 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 go. Now, go, go, work. Yeah, it's then what we, you go we work, need to but say you're here. You're being harassed, you're being... Exactly. You, you go to work, you're being harassed and being... And, and this is what happens when you like have this idea of globalization because you are just rushing into like some end point without like putting the groundwork and this is still detrimental for women because you're again victimizing them you're saying you choose to be um oppressed because you don't choose to follow a certain way of life that is supposed to be the ideal for women empowerment and so it is for like women who don't want to be business women women who don't want to own like whatever it is obviously every woman would like to own but um for example her house or her property but if if that's not what they're working towards it is not my job as a, as another feminist feminist woman to tell her that if you not don't choose to do that then you deserve to be oppressed right and and this is a sad thing that i've noticed sometimes in the in the feminist movement in saudi arabia and i hope it's it can it can get addressed and actually i would say that it's a minority uh of of like the the woman there um within the movement and it's understandable why it happens but for example you hear first um if you are a feminist you can't criticize um if you're a feminist and um for example you move to the west you can't criticize the west because they are better than you. You're only free to speak because they gave you that freedom and therefore you can't use it to criticize them. If you think you want to criticize the West, go back to Saudi Arabia and criticize, uh, criticize the West. So there is this idea is if like, if you go, for example, to the West, or even if you stay in Saudi Arabia and you are seeking your freedoms, um, you can't be critical of anything else Western because in a way, the this idea that um, you should be grateful to the West yeah, for yeah. giving you. That's a whole um, other thing about giving the you like your rights. It's like you're an, a poor oppressed Arab woman and you came to our country and criticized us, you know? Yeah, and honestly, sadly, like you hear these things from other people as well. Another thing, oh, you can't be a feminist and also um, practice your faith. You can't, you can't be a feminist and be Muslim and I understand why because um, uh, religions have been used as tools uh, and honestly probably some religious scripture and some religious uh, ideologies have a lot of um, misogyny in them but that doesn't mean like you yeah know, but even that I don't feel like it's it's the religion itself it's the patriarchal interpretation of the religion and the way that they explain it to us exactly exactly and and again it, it's just constructive uh, constricted of your, your right as a woman like it's your right as a woman to practice whatever faith you feel like as long as you're not harming any other woman right and um, and there is the same next one 
uh, you can't be a feminist and choose uh, to be a housewife and choose to have children and just like love, um, you know, live like um, that in the traditional Middle Eastern way. Why is that? I can choose that. Yeah, but exactly. The whole, the whole that idea should is, be the main point: is um, to have should the right to choose. Other women can choose otherwise. Exactly. There is a lot of these conceptions that um, constricting women's I, ideas and women's ability to um, recognize their potential and improve their status collectively. Right. And yeah, this and is empower very each other. Important. Yeah, and empower each other, and that's very important. Um, so we should we should take our time. Yes, yes, I know we are in 2020. So it means it doesn't mean like oh we should take our time means we should take as much time as other feminist movements around the world. No, because we have models that we can study from. Right, we have a lot of theory out there that has already been written about the feminist movement we have a lot of feminists to look you know up to like my favorite is Mona Tahawi or Darin Halima um, we have a lot of feminists within Arabia that we yeah. can like Fatima look Manithi. up to Jane Al-Hadloul Fatima Manithi. like they're all around right and we can learn from them there is a lot of theory that's out there um, and we can learn from but it's also we are allowed to take our time right we're allowed to um, set up groundwork. We're allowed to address this in, in like a more slow way at our own pace. Demand changes yes. that are critical now. Like, yes, stop killing women. Yes, um, you know, um, end uh, male guardianship. But that's not enough for the feminist movement. Because as you said, the laws can be there but that doesn't mean they're implemented and for them to be implemented there has to be like a national a nationwide arising you know of of like um a new a new sort of like um perspective on how we look on, to women's rights and that will take a lot of time and i think an advice i would give out to women just be easy on each other you know um you especially in Arabia, we will meet a lot of women who are not aware. We will meet a lot of women that will be like, mm, why are you allowing this oppression? Why are you so submissive? We would think of, of, of women in this way, right? But yeah, what but we need to always is, remember it. They have been raised to be submissive and that is not their fault. Exactly. So we need to let them know exactly. that it is not they should not fault. be submissive. Yeah, yeah. We, just like raise awareness and let everyone do things at their own pace right like i don't know tell my mother that um oh um i don't know what's what's a simple thing oh it's okay to for a woman to like uh, wear a bikini outside right should be shocked be, be like why 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 would you think that's okay <laughs> that's that's not okay right but it's it's yeah, yeah. I, I reach that level of like okay it's personal freedom right uh, if i go to my mom and be like it's okay for a woman to marry without uh, the approval of her male guardian she'd be like what you do, yeah. you want to lose your family and but here here we need to understand that there is different thinking between the generations and 
you know, to, uh, to understand that because the way that I think is different than the way that my mother thinks is different than the way my grandmother thinks. So we need to understand that. Yeah, I know. And, and, and what I, I like just remain non-judgmental and like not try and just like easily like X everyone out, X everyone out, except obviously there are certain things that are like X, like for example, um, racism are like really out of the way like you can't you can't just go and be like oh some woman although there are actually within the saudi movement and that's something probably like we can talk about later but you can't say oh um you know uh different races deserve different treatment you can't even imply that although they're still there so these are things we all you know already say no 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 too but what we need to reach the basis of that the groundwork will take a lot of conversations and not everyone will believe in literally everything that you know each one of us thinks that is feminist right as as we just said like we had like different opinions about one topic right and yes. it's okay it is very much okay because we are in a very dangerous place where women are being like killed because they are they can't speak and they can't make their choices for themselves and this is what we just need to tackle for now what we need to know now is like women should be allowed to make their choices whether we agree with these choices or not right and they should not be like threatened in any way because of it right or abused or harmed or killed because she decided to marry someone outside the tribe or she decided to work in a hospital or, or she decided to, I don't know, go out with her friends for coffee. You know, these are the minimal things. And, and this is what I'm saying. Like all, like all women should take their time to like have these conversations and understand who you're talking to and understand what you're talking about. We don't need to like talk about something like too radical because our situation is much more <laughs> um how can i say it's much more risky yeah you complicated. know um it's much more complicated i we just need to like set up some groundwork and then once we have that groundwork and we are ready to have much bigger conversations we can go on and do that and also it's okay for people who think we should use shock therapy, you know, talk about everything that is like very radical. I actually agree with that. Like I, I, I don't mind if you want to do that, but as long as we know what is our big aim is, and this is why Nermeen is very hard to do, to, to utilize a whole nation, nationwide or region wide movement, because there's all of these variations and which is why I'm saying women should not lose sight. We're not, we're not trying to talk about these little details, although they're very important for women's and women's empowerment, but we're trying to talk about now just the fundamental. Just abolish things like male guardianship. Just um, allow women to be treated by the authorities and be protected by the authorities as much as, you know, every adult citizen is and then and then you know we can disagree within our our own schools of thought 
about, oh, I think feminism does not include this. I think feminism does include that. Uh, I'd rather be a, a Muslim feminist that, okay, you are, you want to dress a certain way, you're allowed to do it. You want to like have civil marriage outside the religious boundaries, you're allowed to do it. I don't think you should be killed for it, but I am not going to exercise that, right? I'm not going to practice that. Uh, or someone else can choose of like, okay, um, you want to work, you should be allowed, I support you. Uh, I don't think you should be killed or chased after because of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I would the, rather, you know, the freedom of everyone to exercise what he believes in, but like not force it upon each exactly. other. Definitely not. And not feel like everyone has to agree with, with you. That's the important thing. No one is like, need, we don't have to agree on everything. We just need to agree on the basis that we yes. should be able to practice. Yeah. To stand on a common ground and then start yeah. from there. Let's yeah. touch briefly on the intersectionality because we've talked about this uh, before, me and you. So I thought it's a very important point, the intersectionality and how, you know, migrants, women in Saudi Arabia are being kind of not been talking about as much as the other civil citizens. Yes. Oh, thank you very much for bringing this up. And I think it's not being really talked about enough within the Saudi feminist movement. Um, and um, it's very important because, um, well, not all feminists are intersectional, <laughs> but um, from my point of view, intersectionality is important. A woman's uh, plight is my plight. And this is uh, very much highlighted in Saudi Arabia. Uh, issues of intersectionality in, Saudi, in the Saudi feminist movement um, should and they include uh, the kafala system and um, racial inequalities and um, migrant women's uh, rights. Um, so um, just like to talk a little bit about the kafala system for those who don't know it. It's, um, yeah, it's, um, it's a system where uh, every non-Saudi citizen that lives in Saudi um, uh, resides in Saudi, working or studying, has to have a sponsor, um, a kafil, and ev all of their um, sort of legal affairs, um, of the, all the legal affairs of this migrant um, that um, lives in Saudi Arabia, but is not, is not Saudi, um, are managed and dealt with by their kafil. Uh, so that includes things like um, renewing their citizenship, uh, and, sorry, renewing their residency status, um, and things like um, passports, renewing their passports, renewing their work, in, work contracts, um, ability to travel, where to work, you know, ability to study, take on different projects. Uh, it's all controlled. Um, and everything that has to do with the government is controlled by the kafil. Um, so the problem with this and how it highly relates to the feminist movement. Anyway, the kafala system in itself is very problematic, but that's a different issue to speak about. It's very, it's very exploitive of, of migrant workers. But as I said, it's an, another issue to talk about. But uh, the way it relates to the feminist movement is, firstly, every woman uh, that lives in Saudi Arabia is subjected to the male guardian laws and and that's that's a given 
but also non-Saudi women who have kafils have to have the permission, which in a lot of cases uh, for women um, would be their also their male guardian. So I'll just I'll just give an example to make it very much easier to understand. So say um, a man that came uh, from abroad on like a work visa and he works here, so he has his sponsor who is his kafil, and then his wife. Um, would also the kafil of his wife if she doesn't work would be the husband and the the main sponsor so she needs to go through both of them and then that would be the same for the daughter if she doesn't work and doesn't have a sponsor of her own she'll be um they call them tabe which means a dependent the father the main breadwinner if you may or the main person that is uh, uh that has a sponsor that um that is related to their work or whatnot so the the problems with these is like uh every situation a saudi woman faces that can be exploited uh by their male guardian is the same for uh for a, a saudi woman but with it is adding the kafala system or the kafil barrier so for example a woman who is saudi would want to work so she'll need the permission of her male guardian and that's it like see if that was approved then that's okay and outside woman that would want to work would need the permission of her male guardian and her kafil who then can exploit her obviously just like male guardians exploit women uh, the kafil can also exploit uh, um you know uh, non-Saudi women for money, uh, sex, and sexual—I um, I actually don't know what to call it, service, the unpaid service. Uh, they yeah, can yeah. extort them for any other on uh, any other thing uh, because they can take advantage of this system, and this is putting women at risk. Now, like one of the worst things about it is that uh, women who are not Saudi. Um, they are more likely to be unable to come out of of this system because the way you probably can come out is by having your own job or having your own sponsor and and you know probably then um you would you would have more freedom but if you are a woman um and you're not not saudi so it goes like there are jobs out there in the saudi market uh, say 70 percent for them are for saudis and 20 percent are or 30 percent are for non-saudis because of the saudization like um uh, the saudization um process that has been going on of making um job workplaces and um schools and every other yeah, yeah um, i know about that facilities yeah mainly by saudis so basically uh, you're a woman now. Uh, you're trying to you're trying to get a job. Um, as a woman, most of jobs anyway are available for men, and that that is um, that is obviously hard for both women who are Saudi and women that are non-Saudi. But then there's a different layer of of uh, discrimination for a woman who's not Saudi, because most jobs are only for Saudis regardless of like if she is qualified or not qualified um regardless if she she has the ability or not she'd still 
not be able to find a job. And if she does, she'll still be paid uh, less than her Saudi counter um, counterpart. So say a woman, a Saudi woman and a Saudi man will have a gender pay gap, but a non-Saudi woman and a Saudi man will have a gender pay gap and an an Saudi gen, like pay gap <laughs> that is that is out there. So like just the same job can be advertised for Saudi would be like five thousand a month for non Saudi is three thousand a month, and that just ensures that you know if we have like the social hierarchy, the social economical hierarchy, non Saudi women will always be at the bottom because they have a layer of uh, discrimination from the state because they're not Saudi and also because they are women. And that gets even worse if they come uh, from a racial minority, i.e. black and ethnic minorities. And that doesn't much apply because Arabs, um, the Arab um, is considered, is I know is not uh, is not a white race is not white, but it's still the majority. So the minority, the racial minorities, are not exclusively Arab. They'll also be black and say South Asian uh, people coming from other parts of the world that are not Arab. Very importantly, also not white, because white expats get a different treatment, and that's that's a different matter. But if you come from a third, mostly a third world country. Um, if you come from like, you know, we have a big workforce in Saudi Arabia for people that come from India, Pakistan and the Philippines, um, Ethiopia, um, Sudan um, Egypt um, and, you know, all across the world. Um, you get that extra level of racial discrimination. So um, unfortunately, this is this has to be addressed this uh the feminist movement cannot just work in exclusion of what happens to immigrant workers and especially domestic workers um you know we know the stories we don't need to get into details but like domestic workers they get into like you know they they can't they their pay is not guaranteed they're overworked and there is no hours no um no holidays uh their passports uh their personal freedoms can be constricted you 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 can your passport can be taken away your phone can be taken away uh you can be like locked in a room and no one would care right and you can't you can't go report this to anyone because this is a different level of modern day slavery right um and you know if cases of like oh when is there to actually watch over that um there are cases of like um uh domestic workers being raped they could do whatever they would like and they're not even being um scrutinized or asked about their actions and what they do um and yeah um and as i said it starts even at the level of education so if you're not um a saudi um if you're not saudi um now most universities um, are um, the most public universities are or actually all of them are only for Saudis right and only like 10% of the seats are for non-Saudis so there is a high competitive competition uh, in which most likely you won't probably get a seat
it, right? Because again, as a woman, you're less likely to get into university. And um, and then you would, you know, you wouldn't be able to elevate yourself through the career um, ladder because um, there is the first barrier that was put there is like, you can't study. So you can't study and that can harm you in so many ways. And one in actually like, you know, um, um, you not realizing your own potentials and dreams, but also you can't protect yourself or um, become independent of your male guardian. And so when you want to come and apply for jobs, like the bare minimum now for jobs is a bachelor degree. And I'm talking about 10% of jobs in the market because you're, you're not Saudi and you're also a woman. So the, ta- like the, the um, amount of job work opportunities out there are very low. And as well, you probably will not meet the requirements because you're not qualified enough. And after this, these two layers, um, you, even if you get the jobs, you, you still would be paid less. And that would just mean that it's harder for you to become independent. Uh, it will take you longer to like be able to afford rent, afford your, you know, just to live um, um, a decent life, independent of a male guardian. And because of this, a lot of like a lot of non-Saudi women, if not abused and mistreated, even if they're not mistreated by their male guardians, right? Um, they'll still be stuck at this level just after finishing like school, right? And eventually you'll be constricted. You, you can't travel as well because you need your sponsor, sponsor's approval. And here comes a layer of like social, um, you know, the social ideas about women cannot travel on their own. Women cannot like go away on their own. So you're not, you can't much, very much pursue anything outside Saudi Arabia. So you're stuck in Saudi Arabia and this system that makes sure that you can't study and you can't work. Um, and then eventually, so because of, of this, a lot of like uh, non-Saudi women find themselves in, um, um, you know, to maintain their livelihood, they probably would end up in very abusive marriages. And, uh, you know, in, in which case your husband probably is your sponsor uh, um, if they're if they're not Saudi as well so you can't do you can't do much they can constrict all of your movement and they can um, because essentially if you rebel too much they can even send you back home and cut you off um, so you would have that and if they're Saudi there is also another level in which they can also take the children. Uh, they will have the right for custody. Uh, you know, they they have much more power by given to them by the laws, um, the very discriminatory laws. So you will have all of these. Um, your likelihood, like your livelihood, is very endangered, and you're still gonna be at the mercy of like, you know, your male guardian, whether they were like treating you nicely as as they may say or not or whether they were abusive because at the end of the day there is not means for you to become independent yeah it's very yeah. hard and I, I i would quote you in a conversation we had before this you said it's hard for a woman to exist 
it's true it's very true and i would just like i would like to just say a case study quickly um so there was this um to to show how horrible the system is and we can draw um we can draw like um our own conclusions from that so basically there was um this father that was abusing his daughters and his wife um and they were all non-saudi right and eventually they went and reported it and they they were put into a prison they they put them in like certain accommodation in which they're not allowed to leave and they follow strict rules um and that's another that uh, it's called Duna. it's another case to talk about but um yeah so they they were put in one of these um house like refuge if you may they're not really refuge they're a, like another form of prisons um but let's call them that um so their the daughters were put in in a refuge and so the father was really upset because he doesn't have any power over them anymore um what he decided to do is cancel the residencies because he can do that as a sponsor um and that will just means they'll be deported back home in if he commits any crime in saudi arabia um he'll he'll be prosecuted but if he sends the daughters back home uh, other males of the family can commit the owner killing um but they'll protect protected because of tribe um because of the tribes um and you know as you said owner killings is is really spread in the middle east um so basically that's what he did he he canceled their residencies sent them back home and threatened that the minute they actually crossed the borders into their country of of um home country they'll they dared to report their father for abusing them and this is this is just like a simple case it's uh the the lawyer tried to stop the deportation and said they're they are been put in protection so how can you deport them back to the abuser's family but still there was you know there was response from authorities and we we don't really know what happened to them anymore yeah I so feel, this is just the case i feel like this is how it all works whether it's a system or in the society that whenever you dare to challenge them here face what you your punishment exactly yeah so as i said unfortunately like it's it's different layers because you know we know that saudi women in saudi are physically um and mentally abused um by by their male guardians and we know as well if they went and reported them um and their report was taken seriously the the only place they take them is these like little um prisons you know uh, it's 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 it reminds me of what they used to do for women back in back in the days in like dark ages in europe yeah and the church <laughs> um, yeah when women would speak against their husbands they'd put them in mental asylums and treat them as if they're crazy because they dare to speak up um and and pro- this is this is how it feels like in Saudi Arabia they'd put you in a in a prison system in which you are um you, you know you can't have 
the most simplest things you can't have a phone you can't contact people on the outside even the um, windows have bars on them it's as, as bad as it is you can't dress any way you like um and they call them women refuges but they're actually like another form of prison and yeah so saudi women and non-saudi women have to deal with all of this but then non-saudi women have dealing with poverty dealing with lack of lack of opportunities out there uh, not being able to you know where is your sponsor who are you and even if they do they're not being taken seriously because to the state they don't matter without their sponsors the state doesn't have to do anything to like they have nothing to do with um dependence they only speak to the sponsor right and that just leaves a lot of like space for sponsors and male guardians to abuse their authority and their powers um so i think it's very important for um for like activists in the um feminist saudi movement to speak about these cases to speak about the plight of non-saudi women living in saudi because it's much much worse um than you know than we know of um and we just don't know because as i said the demonization of like non-saudi yes so we need to raise awareness and demand the abolishment of the kafala system as well and you know um racism uh within within um you know the saudi society because that's also very important for women um it just you know because we know people of i wouldn't say people of color but i would say non-arabs um racial minorities that come from third world countries or non-western countries face much more discrimination and much more neglect by the state um, and again if you're a woman that just adds a layer and layer over layer um, so we need to to speak about these problems because they all affect the general movement and um, I hope to see a movement towards it and I would just say that sadly sometimes you'd hear like prominent um uh saudi feminists saying that oh i didn't even get my right as a saudi woman why why do you want me to campaign for your right as an un-saudi and that's just um i hope that's not the approach we take that's not the right approach we should take you know women's rights are human rights and yeah it should be more inclusive for everyone yeah we should yeah we should diversify Exactly. So finally, what is your peace aspirations for women in Saudi Arabia? I really hope that um, uh, the Saudi feminist movement reaches a level uh, of it becoming like a nationwide and also affecting all other movements in the region. Um, I I hope that like uh, Saudi women can like make an example um, and for like empowerment of like Middle Eastern women and they can just, you know, thrive for, um, you know, changing the status quo Saudi Arabia and in all surrounding countries. Um, I hope we will have more literature written, literature that is not exclusive, but inclusive of all um, different um, intersectionality issues uh, within the movement. Um, I'd love to um, see 
more um, women rights institutions in Saudi Arabia eventually, hopefully. And um, I'd love to see women in Saudi Arabia taking on more leadership roles and breaking all the stereotypes of, you know, um, that have been implemented by the patriarchal system of like women having no use in um, anywhere outside, you know, um, the stereotypes of cooking and yeah, household um, chores. And so I, yeah, these are um, the aspirations I have. And I hope really, these are not really constricted to the Saudi feminist movement. I hope that these movements are like, you know, are um, the same aspirations for all movements uh, or feminist movements across the globe. And I also like hope to see a coalition between feminist movements in Arabia. And uh, I hope for the Saudi feminist movement to be part of that. And perhaps a production of like a history of like um, the Arabian feminist movements and and how can we uh, engage our culture um, and into this, you know, this important movement uh, towards um, a more equal uh, society, hopefully. Yeah, I agree with every point you mentioned. And finally, I'm really happy that we have gone through this conversation. It was my pleasure, and I'm sure that many people would really uh, get out uh, so many things from it. So thank you. Thank you very much, Lumine. Thank you. It was really nice, and thank you for like taking the time, you know, uh, <laughs> to listen. Uh, you know, um, to listen and um, raising awareness about this very important issue. And I'm so glad. Uh, about this collaboration between like you know women you know from Egypt and Saudi Arabia and hopefully as I said this will start the coalition of like you know Arabian feminist movement Uh, and I'm so you know I'm so glad to get to to know you and meet you such a such a lovely person and yeah thank you for your own hard work and yeah I appreciate 